Section 29 of The Lane That Had No Turning. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nemo and Eva Davis. The Lane That Had No Turning and Other Tales Concerning the People of Pontiac by Gilbert Parker. The Forge in the Valley. He lay where he could see her working at the forge. As she worked, she sang, When God was making the world, Swift as the wind and white as the fire, The feet of his people danced the stars. There was laughter and swinging bells, And clanging iron and breaking breath, The hammers of heaven making the hills, The veils on the anvil of God. Wild is the fire, and low is the wind. His eyes were shining, and his face had a pale radiance from the reflected light, though he lay in the shadow where he could watch her, while she could not see him. Now her hand was upon the bellows, and the low white fire seethed hungrily up and set its teeth upon the iron she held. Now it turned the iron about upon the anvil, and the sparks showered about her very softly and strangely. There was a cheerful gravity in her motions, a high, fine look in her face. They, too, lived alone in the solitudes of Megalon Valley. It was night now, and the pleasant gloom of the valley was not broken by any sound save the hum of the stream nearby, and the song in the ringing anvil. But into the workshop came the moist, fragrant smell of the acacia and the maple, and a long brown lizard stretched its neck sleepily across the threshold of the door opening into the valley. The song went on. When God had finished the world, bright was the fire and sweet was the wind, up from the valleys came song to answer the morning stars. And the hand of man on the anvil rang. His breath was big in his breast. His life beat strong on the walls of the world. Glad as the wind and tall as the fire. He put his hands to his eyes and took them away again, as if to make sure that the song was not a dream. Wonder grew upon his thin bearded face. He ran his fingers through his thick hair in a dazed way. Then he lay and looked, and a rich, warm flush crept over his cheek and stayed there. There was a great gap in his memory. The evening wore on. Once or twice, the woman turned towards the room where the man lay and listened. She could not see his face from where she stood. At such times he lay still, though his heart beat quickly, like that of an expectant child. His lips opened to speak but still they remained silent. As yet, he was like a returned traveler who does not quickly recognize old familiar things and who is struggling with vague suggestions and forgotten events. As time went on, the woman turned towards the doorway oftener and shifted her position so that she faced it, and the sparks, flying up, lighted her face with a wonderful irregular brightness. Samantha! He said at last, and his voice sounded so strange to him that the word quivered timidly towards her. 
she paused upon a stroke and some new note in his voice sent so sudden a thrill to her heart that she caught her breath with a painful kind of joy the hammer dropped upon the anvil and in a moment she stood in the doorway of his room francis francis she said in a low whisper he started up from his couch of skins samantha my wife he cried in a strong proud voice she dropped beside him and caught his head like a mother to her shoulder and set her warm lips on his forehead and hair with a kind of hunger then he drew her face down and kissed her on the lips tears hung in her eyes and presently dropped on her cheeks a sob shook her and then she was still her hands grasping his shoulders have i been ill he said you have been very ill francis has it been long her fingers passed tenderly through his grizzled hair too long too long my husband she replied is it summer now yes francis it is summer was it in the spring samantha yes i think it was in the spring he added musing it was in the spring there was snow still on the mountain top the river was running high and wildfowl were gathered on the island in the lake yes i remember i think and the men were working at the mine she whispered her voice shaking a little and her eyes eagerly questioning his face ah the mine it was the mine samantha he said abruptly his eyes flashing up i was working at the forge to make a great bolt for the machinery and someone forgot and set the engine in motion i ran out but it was too late and then and then you tried to save them francis and you were hurt what month is this my wife it is december and that was in october yes in october i've been ill since what happened many were killed francis and you and i came away where are we now i do not know the place this is megalon valley you and i live alone here why did you bring me here i did not bring you francis you wished me to come one day you said to me there is a place in megalon valley where long ago an old man lived who had become a stranger among men a place where the blackbird stays and the wolf-dog troops and hides and the damson grows as thick as blossoms on the acacia tree we will go there and i came with you i do not remember my wife what of the mine was i a coward and left the mine there was no one understood the ways of the wheel and rod and steam but me the mine is closed francis she answered gently you were no coward but but you had strange fancies when did the mine close he said with a kind of sorrow i put hard work and good years into it at that moment when her face drew close to his 
the vision of her as she stood at the anvil came to him with a new impression and he said again in a half frightened way when did it close samantha the mine was closed twelve years ago my husband he got to his feet and clasped her to his breast a strength came to him which had eluded him twelve years and she womanlike delighted in that strength and with a great gladness changed eyes and hands with him keeping her soul still her own brooding and lofty as is the soul of every true woman though like this one she labors at a forge and in a far untenanted country his faithful friend ceaseless apothecary to a comrade with a disordered mind living on savage meats clothing herself and the other in skins and with a divine persistence keeping a cheerful heart certain that the intelligence which was frightened from its home would come back one day it should be hers to watch for the great moment and give the wanderer loving welcome lest it should hurry madly away again into the desert never to return she had her reward yet she wept she had carried herself before him with the bright ways of an unvexed girl these twelve years past she had earned the salt of her tears he was dazed still but the doublet of his mind no longer embraced he understood what she had been to him and how she had tended him in absolute loneliness her companions the wild things of the valley these and god he drew her into the workshop and put his hand upon the bellows and churned them so that the fire roared joyously up and the place was red with the light in this light he turned her to him and looked at her the look was that of one who had come back from the dead that naked profound unconditional gaze which is as deep and honest as the primeval sense his eyes fell upon her rich firm stately body it lingered for a moment on the brown fullness of her hair then her look was gathered to his and they fell into each other's arms for long they sat in the solemn silence of their joy and so awed were they by the thing which had come to them that they felt no surprise when a wolf-dog crawled over the lizard on the threshold and stole along the wall with shining bloody eyes to an inner room and stayed there munching meat to surfeit and drowsiness and at last crept out and lay beside the forge in a thick sleep these two had lived so much with the untamed things of nature the bellows and the fire had been so long there and the clang of the anvil was so familiar that there was a kinship among them man and beast with a woman as ruler tell me my wife he said at last what has happened during those twelve years all from the first keep nothing back i am strong now he looked around the workshop then suddenly at her with a strange pain and they both turned their heads away for an instant for the same thought was on them then presently she spoke and answered his shy sorrowful thought before all else the child is gone she softly said he sat still but a sob was in his throat 
He looked at her with a kind of fear. He wondered if his madness had cost the life of the child. She understood. Did I ever see the child? He said. Oh, yes. I sometimes thought that through the babe you would be yourself again. When you were near her, you never ceased to look at her and fondle her, as I thought very timidly. And you would start sometimes and gaze at me with the old wise look hovering at your eyes. But the look did not stay. The child was fond of you, but she faded and pined. And one day, as you nursed her, you came to me and said, See, my wife, the little one will not wake. She pulled at my beard and said, Daddy, and fell asleep. And I took her from your arms. There is a chestnut tree near the door of our cottage at the mine. One night, you and I buried her there. But you do not remember her, do you? My child, my child, he said looking out into the night, and he lifted up his arms and looked at them. I held her here, and still I never held her. I fondled her, and yet I never fondled her. I buried her, yet to me she was never born. You have been far away, Francis. You have come back home. I waited and prayed and worked with you and was patient. It is very strange she continued. In all these twelve years, you cannot remember our past, though you remembered about this place. The one thing, as if God had made it so. And now you cannot remember those twelve years. Tell me now of the twelve years, he urged. It was the same from day to day. When we came from the mountain, we brought with us the implements of the forge upon a horse. Now and again, as we traveled, we cut our way through the heavy woods. You were changed for the better then. A dreadful trouble seemed to have gone from your face. There was a strong kind of peace in the valley, and there were so many birds and animals, and the smell of the trees was so fine that we were not lonely, neither you nor I. She paused, thinking her eyes looking out to where the evening star was sailing slowly out of the wooded horizon. His look on her. In the pause, the wolf-dog raised its big, sleepy eyes at them, then plunged its head into its paws, its wildness undisturbed by their presence. Presently, the wife continued. At last, we reached here, and here we have lived where no human being save one has ever been. We put up the forge, and in a little hill not far away we found coal for it. The days went on. It was always summer, though there came at times a sharp frost and covered the ground with a coverlet of white. But the birds were always with us, and the beasts were our friends. I learned to love even the shrill cry of the reed hens, and the soft tap-tap of the woodpecker is the sweetest music to my ear after the song of the anvil. How often have you and I stood here at the anvil, the fire heating the iron, and our hammers falling constantly? Oh, my husband, I knew that only here with God and his dumb creatures and his wonderful healing world, all sun and wind and flowers and blossoming trees, working as you used to work, 
as the first of men worked. With the sane wandering soul return to you. The thought was in you too, for you led me here, and have been patient also in the awful exile of your mind. I have been as a child, and not as a man, he said gravely. Shall I ever again be a man, as I once was, Samantha? You cannot see yourself, she said. A week ago you fell ill, and since then you have been pale and worn. But your body has been, and is, that of a great strong man. In the morning I will take you to a spring in the hills, and you shall see yourself, my husband. He stood up, stretched himself, went to the door, and looked out into the valley flooded with moonlight. He drew in a great draught of air and said, The world, the great wonderful world, where men live and love work and do strong things. He paused and turned with a trouble in his face. My wife, he said, you have lived with a dead man twelve years, and I have lost twelve years in the world. I had a great thought once, an invention. But now... He hung his head bitterly. She came to him, and her hand slid up along his breast to his shoulders, and rested there. And she said with a glad smile, Francis, you have lost nothing. The thing, the invention, was all but finished when you fell ill a week ago. We have worked at it for these twelve years. Through it, I think, you have been brought back to me. Come, there is a little work yet to do upon it. And she drew him to where a machine of iron lay in the corner. With a great cry, he fell upon his knees beside it and fondled it. Then presently he rose and caught his wife to his breast. Together, a moment after, they stood beside the anvil. The wolf-dog fled out into the night from the shower of sparks, as in the red light the two sang to the clanging of the hammers. When God was making the world, swift is the wind and white is the fire, End of section 26. End of The Lane That Had No Turning. In Other Tales Concerning the People of Pontiac by Gilbert Parker.